Well, beloved listeners, when families are directly affected by an event as horrendous as the Holocaust, how did the generations that follow cope? Two documentaries made by second and third generation survivors of the Holocaust have set out to explore this. In one film, Displaced, Berlin-based filmmaker Sharon Reiber-Khan seeks to learn more about her estranged father's family's experiences in the Holocaust and to examine her own experiences of living in Germany. The other is Dreyfus Try by artist and academic at the National Art School in Sydney, Ella Dreyfus. And Ella explores how three members of her family, including herself, see their relationship with Germany. Now, the two films will be screened together in Sydney on Monday, December the 6th, and I welcome you both to the little program. I must ask you just to repeat quickly how the two of you actually met. Well, it was a very strange meeting because it was at the premiere of the film Dreyfus Dry, held in Berlin in the Delphi Theatre on October 29 last year. And I should have been there. I wanted to be there, but I wasn't. The C word got in the way, COVID, and I had to jump on a plane and get back to Sydney. But fortunately, after the screening, some bright fairy picked up the laptop, opened up a Zoom meeting and took me around to meet the audience. And lo and behold, I met Sharon Rabakan and heard about her film, and she happened to mention she'll be in Australia. So one thing led to another, and here we are screening together. Well, it was meant to be. Now, how long have you been in Australia, Sharon? Well, actually, this time around, it's been a month and a half, but in total, four months and a half. <laughs> OK, now, in making these documentaries, what is it you were trying to say? And I'll put that to you first, Sharon. You know, when you grow up in the country of the perpetrator, right? Because this is what you feel as a French Israeli who was raised um, in Germany. Um, you can't forget, actually, that this is the country of the perpetrator. So what you want to do is you want to try to make the link of why your family is the way they are and how the country um, that you've lived in, why are they actually reacting the way they are when you say you're Jewish, for instance. And why is there this strange silence when you speak about, well, the past or being Jewish? Ella? For me, the aim was to investigate something that had been hidden from me, Philip. I knew my father was born in Germany, in Wuppertal, and I knew no more about that at all. It hung over me like a black cloud, and after his death, it became time to start looking in. Ella, you're... Your film begins with the story of your father, Richard, and his brother, George, who would become, of course, a lifelong friend of mine, who were part of a small group of young Jewish refugees who arrived in one of the so-called kinder transport ships. Tell me about them. Yes, well, they were very fortunate children, only 17 in that group. They got out of Berlin on a ship to London and then on the Arama ship to the um, orphanage, the Lorino Home for Children in Melbourne. How did they manage to get on the boat? Well, their father, Alfred Dreyfus, um, at that point, obviously, Jews were not allowed to work. Um, they'd given up everything. They'd had to relocate. But he was doing voluntary work for an organisation that was trying to save people. And so he heard about it and he managed to get his two sons out of the country on their own. Now, your father, Richard, wanted very little to do with Germany, which was unsurprising, of course, but it meant that... Basically, the facts of Holocaust came to you via 
Heavens above via high school history lessons. High school history at first because, yes, there was a sense that somehow this Holocaust had something to do with our family and all of my siblings knew nothing about it. But then later on, when I was probably in my 40s, even 50s, I read my uncle's books. George has written about his life and in each book he's managed to put a bit of our family history in. Your father was a very observant Jew? He became more observant as he got older, but more than that, he was a great Zionist and a great believer in the continuity of the Jewish people. So he looked forward whereas my and, and wouldn't look back. Now, Uncle George, George Dreyfus, is, of course, a, a famous Australian composer and I have to say Australia's most eccentric composer as well, now in his mid-90s. That's right. And uh, he lives in Melbourne. He has a... He's had, as I know, a very different relationship with Germany. Yes, the two brothers approach Germany in very different ways and I think this is why their children and their children all have quite different understandings of what it means to have German origins. He went back to, in 19, what, 1955, to study the bassoon. That's right. And he went back on a scholarship that they were putting out to any Jews or others who could show that their education had been interrupted by the war and he took the opportunity to take up a scholarship. And he has uh, developed enormous relationships with people in Germany, especially musicians, through his concerts, through performing, and really embraced European life. You know, I, I'm not Jewish, but I found it almost intolerable, my first visits to Germany. I just hated the place because of this vast weight of horror that at the time was not being honestly dealt with. That's right. And it kept me away, Philip, until I was 49 years old. I deliberately, actively stayed away from Germany and going there was quite hard. How come George, do you think, has been so accommodating to the fatherland? It's the music. It's the history of European music, and that was his milieu, that was his world. So that brought him back. Whereas... And he's also gone back with his music, hasn't he? So many times, concerts. And he took his young son, Jonathan, who features in the film, he took him there from a very young age, from 13, and they went many times for the concerts. The film is called The Dreyfus Dry or Dreyfus Three because it uh, focuses on the three generations. Not only the three generations, but also the three artists in the family. So we have two composers, George and his young son, Jonathan, who's only in his mid-30s, and myself, a visual artist. So I've focused on how Dreyfuses from three different generations, through their creative work, have re-engaged with Germany. Sharon, your third-generation Holocaust survivor, your grandparents survived uh, the Shoah in Poland and moved to Munich, where you were born. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, I'm glad you say you moved. They moved because, you know, surviving Auschwitz, um, they actually did go back to Poland. And then they realized that nobody had survived. And one, it's important to remember that Munich was actually uh, the, the American zone. So this was a good place to actually leave um, Germany. And they actually did try to leave um, because I don't know if it's a well-known fact, but, you know, there was a lot of shame for those Jews who remained in Germany. It wasn't a very, it wasn't a nice, um, and it wasn't a nice fact. It wasn't nice for um 
Well, yeah, for, 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 for the other jury to say, oh, wow, you actually remained in the country of the perpetrator. So there was a lot of shame. And my family stayed there because they came back from Brazil and then they managed to, um, to make a living. And this is how they stayed. And then I, you know, and then I was born because my father actually didn't leave. But of course, he now lives in Israel. Yes. He does. He gave up his German passport. He gave up his German nationality. Yeah, and this is part of the the story of the film. Really, it's to understand why is it, and what you see is that my father um, couldn't actually leave Germany because his parents needed him around, and that's a classical uh, symptom of um, second generation of survivors, which is they feel very very close to their parents. They feel very responsible for their parents. So there's a very important moment in the film. And your father never discussed his family's Holocaust experiences with you? No, no. And the only reason that I'm capable of speaking about it is because of my mother's side. So my grandparents on my mother's side are survivors, and they spoke to me. And there's a great difference between those who spoke and those who didn't speak. And, yeah. Again and again and again, one hears the same story with survivors in Australia that so often the parents don't want to talk about it and they don't tell their children or grandchildren. It's as though they don't want the weight, the burden of history on them. I think that's absolutely right. But unfortunately for many children, that leaves them in a state of limbo and a black hole and it gave me a great sense of fear. So I was always pushed and pulled, repelled and attracted towards Germans, towards Germany, wanting to go and know, not wanting to go. And in fact, it felt like a betrayal to my father for me to have any interest in Germany. Sharon, in the film, your father seems to struggle to talk to you about his experiences. Uh, What did you learn about why he was so silent? He was silent because he didn't know how to do it better than that, because this is what he had been taught. And he actually says it. He says, I was not, you know, we didn't speak about it and I had to accept it. And so, of course, if you're not taught to speak about it, how would he know how to speak to me about it? So fundamentally, your father told you that he'd survived the war and given all he, he could. Yes, I would say that he didn't speak at all. My grandfather survived the war. I knew that he was uh, a survivor. My, my father was born in 47. So, you know, we just, it's, you know, when you're part of a Jewish community, a teeny tiny community in a place like Munich, you people kept among themselves. They didn't really mix on the outside. So you knew you were Jewish. It was all there, but you didn't speak about it. Sharon, I understand you visited their town in uh, their towns in in Poland. What was that like? Oh, that that was terrible. That was absolutely absolutely horrible. I was in Jaloszice and Wrocław, which is where my I researched it, and I found out that my uh, grandfather and grandmother on the paternal side were there. And you know, when you enter, when you see the remains of a synagogue, and suddenly you enter, and it's just a ruin, for instance, right? And it it's. You, all you hear are the pigeons, the enormous sound of the pigeons. And in front of it, there are three enormous trash cans where, you know, that's it. And then there's somebody just walking by or, you know, the remains of a cemetery, uh, pieces of a, of, you know, of a gravestone just lying there all over where you see on the other side, right? On the other side, there's another cemetery, which is, of course, a Christian cemetery, which is where everything looks so beautiful and taken care of. You know, you stand there and you think, 
you actually, I mean, my heart stopped. It was, it was, an, it was a horrible experience. It really was. I must say I've uh, followed your example from time to time and have been so overwhelmed by these vast theme parks of destruction that the emotions are numbed. Hmm. Um, maybe, <laughs> you know, being third generation, you get actually the reaction of your parents and you get the reaction of your grandparents, which is a very different situation because you see how your parents struggled with, you know, their parents who were the survivors. You see, so you have this kind of own relationship to your grandparents, but also to your parents. So I think that numb for me, it's maybe also a thing of personality. It didn't work out at all because ultimately you want to say something. And here I have to go back, especially when you live in Germany, you know. Well, that, that's the most extraordinary thing about you. You now live in Berlin. <laughs> and uh, how can you reconcile living there given its history? You see, this is the great thing about this film. I feel that we actually, every time that I've screened the film, every time I've spoken to people, I felt like I broke a taboo. And people looked at me and would say, oh, so this really hurts. You're actually making me confront my history. Because you see, Germany, and this is something that I know is the fact all over the world, looks like this incredible, perfect country in the way they, how they dealt with history. So I was surprised to hear your experience. They look perfect on the outside. But really, when you ask, and this is what you see in the film, when you ask people living in Germany, Jewish people living in Germany, I'll go even further than that. I will speak about Sinti and Roma. They will feel the same. They will say, my history has not been recognized. It's not, they don't feel what they say. They're beautiful memorials. <laughs> it's very confronting in your film because you talk to a number of your, uh, of your German friends, both Jewish and non-Jewish, mm -hmm. about how they think about that time and the present. They're very challenging conversations, aren't they? They are, but they're very important because I don't think that you actually can have... You, I don't think that you go through collective transgenerational trauma by not confronting the past. And I think that the silence is actually... There's nothing more damaging than silence. That's what I believe. So, you know, and this is also my experience, at least in Germany. I feel different today having made the film. <laughs> you talk to a friend whose family uh, lived in Dachau and... Uh, knew exactly what was happening in the camp, as it was it was nonsensical to think they could not know. Now, if you go to Dachau, kids are skateboarding on the, on the cement. The barbed wire is still rust-free. I mean, this is a moment ago. Yes. And you know what? The Holocaust Memorial in Berlin, people are also skating on it. Yeah. Um, actually, there was a... A study made, you know, um, a few years back, I don't remember exactly, 45% um, of kids do not, rem do not know what Auschwitz-Birkenau is. Is that right? Yes, that is right. You're nodding your head, Ella. Yes, I've heard similar, similar statistics. I just find that so appalling. Ella, your film goes into the complex relationship that you have with Germany while living in Australia. You, uh, well, you used to dread the idea of going to the country. What are your feelings now? What are your feelings about being German? Well, that's the funny thing, isn't it? Because I did reclaim my citizenship about 10 years ago. I hold a German passport now. I do not feel German in any part of my body 
I don't even really know what that would mean to feel German. I'm Australian, I'm Jewish with a German history, but what I'm finding is that bit by bit I've now had four trips varying lengths to Germany and each time I go there I get braver, I feel the fear sort of dissipating, the, the, the weight of history. So it's therapeutic for it, you. It actually is, but what, what's the best part for me about going is I'm not doing Holocaust tourism. I do not want to go to the camps. I don't want to join in the machine of Holocaust tourism, we call it. But I go there as an artist and I claim my space in Germany as a practicing artist, making works in the streets for the public. So when you travelled to Germany last year to make the film, you incorporated your art into the trip. That's right, because I had already been there about five years ago in Wiesbaden as an artist in residence, and my artwork is proclaiming the names of my family back in the streets. I hand-stitched lots of brightly coloured letters to remind me of the childhood of my father and his brother, and I put their names up in the street. Ich bin Jude. My name is Richard. I am a Jew. My name is Richard. So I'm doing some uh, memorial work that looks like graffiti for all intents and purposes. And I'm reclaiming spaces back to say Jews were from here and Jews have returned here. Sharon, how important is ongoing debate in terms of uh, remembering past wrongs? Oh, it's very, very important. But again, the question is, how do you do it? Do you do, you do it in a political manner? Meaning, is it something that, you know, are kids obliged to go to a camp, for instance? Or is it done in a way where actually, and this is where the where the film is leading at, where people take personal responsibility? You see, there is no point in... Um, actually just talking about what happened to the Jews. The question is, what did the Germans do during the war? And this is actually my mission, the, the dialogue ultimately, right? Facing their own history. And um, yeah. Ella? Um, what, I, what I am finding more and more is this ability to reconnect with a place that was so full of terror for me as a younger person is bringing about... Um, I'm not going to say the words like reconciliation and healing. I don't go into that sort of language. That's impossible. But for me to at least um, make true connections with Germans, particularly young Germans, most of the film crew I worked with were in their 30s. And the fact that they want to work on a film like this about the Holocaust, about our family history and what happened and the fact that the great-grandparents were murdered in the camps, they came with me along this journey and therefore are making inroads through education and filmmaking. It's been a, a privilege to talk to you both. Ella Dreyfus, a local Sydney artist, filmmaker and academic at the National Art School in Darlinghurst, a wonderful complex of buildings, and Sharon Rybakan, a Berlin-based international filmmaker currently in Australia on research. And the films are showing at the Randwick Ritz on Monday the 5th of December in Sydney. No excuses, you simply have to go. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.